All right. Um, well, let's go ahead and let's just, let's just pray. And I don't know about you, but uh, I need the Lord. <laughs> I'm assuming you do too. So let's ask for God's help today. Lord, we're coming to you right now knowing that you supply what we need uh, in the moment and over time. And so, God, I just pray that in our time this morning, you would visit us, Lord, through your word, that we would hear your voice and know uh, your nearness, uh, that you're present with us here, where we're gathered together in, in the name of Jesus. And so, uh, Lord, we're so thankful for the salvation that you have offered us through Jesus Christ from what Nick was just sharing. So grateful. We can't even really comprehend how much uh, love is uh, just demonstrated on the cross for us. Lord, we just pray for those in our church family right now that are that are recovering from surgery. We know we, there's been some, uh, I know some prayer requests go about email for surgery recovery, and some have lost loved ones here recently, and so we just pray for their comfort and for their strengthening and uh, help us, Lord, as a, as a body, a local body of Christ to support uh, and, and to be there with them through the difficulties the recovery, through the grief. And so, Lord, we want to be your hands and feet too. And Lord, we also just pray that um, you'd fill us with your spirit right now um, and you would help us to uh, get what it is you want for us right now, that we would want you, Lord. We would want to hear from you. Help us to have a seeking heart, God. And Lord, if any of us here today are really struggling in their walk with Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would grant them an extra measure of your grace today. Uh, help them to, uh, to just rely on you and your grace and your mercy and your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're in the book of Job, and uh, today we're in chapter 2. And this is Job's second test. And so I'm going to read this passage. Uh, if you're able to uh, stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God, would you please do so? It's kind of our tradition. And um, so I will read these 13 verses aloud. You can just listen and watch the words here. And uh, let's hear what God's Word says here. Job chapter 2, verses 1 to 13 says, Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? And Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and from, to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? He still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him with reason, without reason. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, all that a man has he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand and touch his bone and flesh and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand, only spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his feet to the crown of his head. And he took a piece of broken pottery with which to scrape himself while he sat in the ashes. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. 
But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that had come upon him, they came each from his own place, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the the Namathite. They made an appointment together to come to show him sympathy and comfort. And when they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him, and they raised their voices and wept, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven. And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great. This is God's word. Please have a seat. Well, it's... You know, this this second test, you know, we, we kind of have, again, a, a look into the heavens. We kind of see what's going on. Just like we did in the first chapter that uh, Satan came... All the angels, basically, including Satan, came before the Lord. And um, if you recall in the first chapter, Satan was given permission by God to basically um, bring some ruin on Job, right? He lost everything, all the material things he had. But then he also lost his his, his children. All of his children were killed. And so um, it's hard to imagine... Uh, what he went through. Uh, But it's also even more difficult to imagine uh, what we're seeing now. Uh, It kind of going from bad to worse and from trial to trial. And so, but this is what is happening in in Job's life. Um, And we learned last time also that, you know, Satan is on a short leash. God is sovereign over everything, right? Uh, It's not like, you, you've got uh, two equal opposing forces, God and Satan. That's not how the universe is, right? God is all-powerful, and he is sovereign over everything, and he, he is in control, yes, even of Satan. And so uh, that in itself is, is challenging for us to get our minds around, but that is uh, nonetheless how the Scriptures tell us the universe works, okay? How God has set it up. Now, uh, the one thing that, as I read this passage, the the very first word caught my eye, uh, that word again. It says, again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves. And the thing that just struck me and that I wanted to convey to you is that Satan is just relentless. Okay? He is a relentless adversary. So here he is. You know, it, it couldn't be enough that Job would pass this, pass this incredible test that he already passed. Right? But um, he just... In, in, in Satan's mind, just thought that there's just no way Job's going to prove to be a true believer if we take away his health, you know. And um, but but that's what he's doing. He's coming and asking permission to um, to attack his body, to attack Satan's body. And I, I just want us to to take away from this. This, this second attack, just that you, you and I, yes, we have an enemy, uh, Satan, and uh, he is relentless, okay? So if he is relentless, we need to be relentless, okay? We need to uh, be uh, vigilant, okay? We can't, in a sense, let our guard down, right? I, when I spoke at the men's retreat here recently, 
um, I shared a little bit about this, but just the idea here and the, the truths that are explained in 1 Peter chapter 5, 7 to 9. And let me just read those scriptures for you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now listen, it says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Now, the thing I want to focus in on here that relates to the situation with Job and that Satan is relentless is the warning that Peter gives us. Resist him. Resist him, right? Resist him, firm in your faith, right? And then it says, be sober-minded, be watchful. It's like, watch out. Be on the alert, right? Keep an eye out. Um, You know, this is... uh, um, with something we have to train ourselves is like we, in a sense, I don't mean like being be on the watch out, like be, being fearful, but it's just like being aware that uh, you know uh, Satan is constantly you know throwing temptations our way, and 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 by the way, I um, things it's more than just Satan that's going on. We have our own flesh, right, that we fight against uh, as well because we still live in in sinful bodies. Right, and then we live in a world that's that's fallen, right, and broken. Um, uh, you know, and so it's it's the world, the flesh, and the devil. Those three are are just like alluring to us, and are are, are tempting us, and trying to get us to, um, in a sense, um, to walk off the narrow path, right? Um, and so. Uh, you know, because it, it, the, Jesus does describe that the path to eternal life is a narrow path, right? It's not a wide path. It's not something that everybody does. Um, and to stay on the narrow path as believers, we have to be vigilant. We have to, as the Scripture says here, as Peter says, be sober-minded, be watchful, right? Be watchful. Um, I've never been in a battle, uh, an actual battle, um, but I can only imagine what it's like to be on the battlefield, that you're constantly aware that there is a war on and that there, the enemy could be anywhere. And so, uh, and here we're talking a spiritual enemy. And so, but what, is, what does Paul tell us there, or excuse me, Peter tell us here in this verses is resist him firm in your faith. Firm in your faith. And I just want to say, unless we're firm in our faith, we're going to be an easy target. We will be easily moved um, at, at just the littlest temptation or challenge to our faith, all right, um, and to the test of faith. And so uh, I want to just speak just a minute about this firm in your faith because really um, this is this is the thing is, wouldn't you characterize Job as someone who was firm in his faith? <laughs> I mean, he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna curse God and die like his wife wanted him to. He's like, I'm not gonna throw in the towel spiritually here, uh, but I could imagine. I mean, I I don't I wouldn't want to put myself to that test, that exact test that he went through. And uh, he was just, um, you know, in, in the passage there that we read in Job two, right? It, it says. Um, in all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. 
I don't think the implication there is that he, he didn't sin with his lips, but he sinned in his heart. I don't think so. I think he's just saying he didn't sin. He didn't, uh, he didn't uh, reject God and, and his trust and faith in God. And so his faith was firm. His faith was firm. And our, our faith needs to be firm. Okay? Uh, you know, it's important that as believers we continue to grow uh, in our knowledge of God and in our understanding of what his will is for our lives. And that we put our lives and what we do and how we live our lives on the solid foundation of the word of God. Right? And so if we don't know what the word says uh, about suffering, then when we encounter it, we may uh, have you know, even greater difficulty and may, and may not stand firm in our faith. Um, and so I want to just speak to that. Uh, you know, how, how is it, how could we uh, be people that are firm in our faith in, when it comes to suffering, okay? When it comes to suffering. And I think it helps, it's going to help us if we understand a little bit about um, uh, what else the Scripture says about suffering, okay? Uh, beyond the, the book of Job. So I just, I'm going to look at a few passages now so we're going to kind of use Job as a launching point to it. Just a few passages that relate to us as to how God works in our suffering, okay? Um, so that we will maintain and be steadfast and be firm in our faith. That's the goal, okay? Is we don't want to, when we encounter suffering, we don't want to be knocked off our feet. It's not that it's not going to be hard. That's not it. But the point is that we would remain faithful. Okay, that's the thing. All right, so um, the first thing uh, is that we must uh, uh, be firm in our faith to suffer well. That's what, that's what we want to do. But the first thing is, how are we going to do that? Suffering reminds us that this world is not our home. So if you, have, if you kind of have it in mind that, okay, suffering reminds me that this is not my home, really, where I'm living on this earth, right? Uh, my address in Grove City is not my final uh home, right? This is a temporary place where we're living as believers. And uh, what we want to do is take a look at 2 Corinthians in chapter 4, and that will kind of put us into this mindset, okay? So if we have this mindset that what is happening here is temporary, right? Uh, It's almost like, you know, I'm living in a trailer, Right, so to speak, because you know, if you lived in a trailer, you think, okay, this is a you hope. Well, you hope that it's kind of temporary, especially if it's a little, you know, bedraggled little thing, you know, or a tent, right? That you're thinking it's a temporary thing, that something, the permanent thing, is coming. So let's take a look here in Second Corinthians chapter four, starting in verse sixteen. So Second Corinthians four sixteen, and we're going to read through chapter five, verse five. It says, "So we do not lose heart. So we do not lose heart." Paul says, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Chapter 5, verse 1, for we know that if the, tent, uh, the, if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, 
We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed we, by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Now there's a lot in that passage, and you can see he starts off with, don't lose heart. Isn't that what anybody needs to hear, I would think, at the very least, if they're suffering? It's like, don't, don't lose heart, right? Don't, don't chuck it in, don't throw in the towel, don't lose heart. And, and he's saying this because in some verses before, it talks about the resurrection. He's like, you've got to hope, right? And so uh, all the difficulties and the sufferings that you're going through uh, as believers, he's saying, so don't lose heart, even though our outer self is wasting away. Um, you know, if anybody could say that, Job could say that. He's got boils all over his body, right? I mean, it's just, um, we can't even imagine that, you know, just to relieve himself. He says he's got these uh, pieces of, of shattered pot that he's scraping these sores with, right, as he sits on a heap of ashes. Um, but we don't want to lose heart because it says our outer, even though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. So there's something for the Christian right, the believer, that we're able to, even in the midst of suffering, even to say that, okay, what's going on in the outside, even with my body, right, is, is, is difficult, is terrible, yeah, but the Spirit of God, that's what that passage ended up with. It says he has prepared us for this very thing as God who has given us his Spirit as a guarantee. So as believers, we have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit, if we will rely on him, if we will lean into him, and if we will pour out our heart to God, he will fill us up on the inside, right? Even though everything on the outside might be totally falling apart. I wonder how many times as believers we're just running on our own power. If I would confess, it's probably way too much, right? Doing, trying to do things for God or live our lives or uh, love our families or love others, you know, just out of our own sheer grit rather than um, just relying on God and allowing His Spirit to fill us and allowing His Spirit to, to strengthen our inner person, our inner being. And this is what he says. He says, for these light momentary afflictions... Um, Paul says, is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. In other words, what we're, what we're going through right now, all these tests of faith and difficulties and suffering that we do experience through our lifetime, right? He says they're preparing us for something much, much better, right? He's, as he says, he says uh, an eternal weight of glory compared to a light momentary affliction. So he's, he's not... He's not belittling suffering, but he's saying in comparison, all that God is doing in your life through suffering, all that he's going to be doing in your heart and in your character and through your testimony of your suffering, um, that all far outweighs 
anything that you're experiencing. Because it's, it's, it's reaping heavenly rewards and eternal consequences, eternal effects. And that's the thing, isn't it? Is, is to try to get our mind focused on eternity. And that's what Paul's saying, is you really, it, it's a mindset. We have to have our mind trained on eternity, right? How we spend our money, how we spend our time, the investment in people's lives has to be with a mindset because it's for eternity, because there's something that, that lasts far beyond what we see right here, far beyond these 80 or 90 years or whatever it might be we might spend on this earth. Verse 18 there, Paul says, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Guys, we need new eyes. We we need to be able to see things from an eternal perspective. We can get so focused on what's happening here and in and in the material world. And I'm not saying that, you know, it's not like you quit your job and you and you and you hold on until Jesus comes back. I'm not saying that. But just that we would somehow be able to see that what God is doing, even in our suffering, has an eternal focus to it. Okay? Has an eternal focus to it. So our suffering prepares us for what is to come. And so when we have that mindset, it can help us and give us endurance especially as we lean into the Spirit, as he says there in verse 5. Right? So suffering reminds us that this world is not our home. And that's, if we keep that in mind, it will help us remain firm in our faith. Okay? Like Job. Secondly, though, suffering and trials in the hands of God are a tool for spiritual growth and transformation. See, if you don't know this, if you don't know the, you know, some of these, uh, the purposes of suffering and trials, then we will miss out on what God is trying to do in us, right? Uh, so much of the time, these trials and sufferings are about what God is trying to do in us and to bring about Christ-likeness, right? Isn't that the goal of any Christian anyway, is what, what God is saying, what he started, he's going to finish and the whole thing is to bring us into conformity of the image of the, His Son, Jesus? You know, God's brought me a long way, but I've got a long way to go, right? And I'm going to say it's the same with any other believer sitting in here or listening, is to say, you know, but we're in a process, right? We're in a process. Now, uh, in the book of James, the book of James chapter 1, this might be familiar to many of you. It says, uh, James 1, verses 2 to 4, Count it all joy, my brothers, when, very, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Isn't that what you need when you're going through suffering? It's one of the things you need is steadfastness. You need something that's going to put your feet on the ground so that you won't be moved spiritually. So that you'll be firm in your faith. And so... Uh, we're being told here in the book of James that the testing of our faith does have as the goal a producing of steadfastness. And it says in verse 4, And let that steadfastness have its full effect, 
that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And that perfection there is not the way we would think of perfection. It has to do with maturity, that you would be mature. Don't you want your kids, if you have kids, to grow up and be mature? Live like mature adults, right? Be responsible, right? Get jobs, whatever, you know, and and whatever responsibility looks like for them in their life, that they would do that. Listen, that's maturity. Well, as spiritually speaking, God's saying, I want you to be mature in your faith. And the only way that's going to happen, you know, yes, you can take in the Scriptures. You need to know the Word of God. You need to know my promises, God says. You need to know who I am through the Scriptures. But uh, we cannot escape the need for trials. Because he's saying, let the steadfastness that we get through encountering trials, right, and being trained by them to have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You know, uh, since I have been teaching this one particular course at Columbus State, uh, where it's called College Algebra Plus, and it's a collaborative learning environment, and I was never really trained in that type of teaching when I was at Ohio State back in the 80s, okay? Uh, But uh, they have trained us to try to be effective at that. And one of the things that it's easy to do when you're uh, facilitating collaborative learning is is you want to try to just tell them how to do it. You want to tell them, you want to tell them, like, I'll just tell them, it'd be much quicker, right? Just to tell them how to get the answer right away rather than kind of coaching them through the thinking that they need to have so that they'll really own that and really learn it, okay? And that takes discipline uh, on my part because I just a lot of times want to bail them out, just want to bail them out, you know, but it's, they're not going to learn anything. You know, and similarly, spiritually, there's some things we're not going to learn if God just bails us out. That maturity that we need, he's not going to bail us out. He's going to be with us in it, for sure. He's going to supply you with the grace and the mercy you need and the power as you go through the trials and the suffering. But make no mistake, it's not for nothing, okay? It's not just to see if you can grit it out. I mean, it's, just, it's for a purpose so that we would grow up in godliness. Okay, so, you know, so just... just Just keep this in mind. What do we want to do? We want to be firm in our faith, you guys, because if you haven't endured suffering, you probably will, okay? Um, If if it's not some kind of thing that's happened to your family or, or or trial or whatever, but I'm saying it's coming, okay? Because we live in a broken world, and these God will use these, the brokenness of the world too, to bring these trials into your life so that you will be equipped for every good work, okay? And so just know that there's a reason for it. There's a reason for it. And again, I, not to kind of keep bringing things back to my teaching, but I have to constantly remind myself, remind my students that there's a purpose for everything we do in the classroom. How we do it. It's, it's all design. I mean, I'm not that smart enough to do the design of how they put the course together, but everything has a purpose. And if you take one of those things out, Right? If, you don't watch, if you don't watch the lecture videos and come to class, you've, you've just totally scuttled the process. Okay? Right? 
uh, or if you don't do the online homework right in the process, you're you're totally you know in a sense shooting yourself in the foot because it's part of a complete package. It's like you know the designers of the course, you know they're like God. They've got the whole thing mapped out. They know this whole thing is for your good. Like, and the Lord God, he knows when he brings these trials into our lives and allows this suffering to go on, even like what Job experienced here, it's for a purpose. And one of the purposes is, like it says in James, is to grow us up. Grow us up in the faith. All right, so... so you know, suffering reminds us that this world is not our home, but also suffering in the trials in the hands of God are a tool for spiritual growth, right? Now, this last point here, um, and you know, there's plenty of other passages we could go to to look about suffering in the Scriptures. But I just really wanted to focus in on a few that had to do with what's going to keep us firm in our faith. What's going to help us pass the test so that we wouldn't say, curse God and die? So that we'd remain faithful, all right? All right, so this last one says, our sufferings make us ready uh, for how God wants to use us. Um, I heard Rick Warren say one time, he says, God never wastes a hurt. God never wastes a hurt. And I think that's true. I think uh, as we look here in the life of the believer, if we look again in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, in the opening verses, we'll take a look here. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Starting at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Now, there's something you need to hang your hat on if you're going through difficulty, isn't it? That God wants to supply me with supernatural comfort, okay, right, and mercy. So the the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now let me just stop there. Did you see the connection between what, what is the purpose, one of the purposes that God has for suffering? The comfort that you receive from God. So as you lean into God, as you're filled with His Spirit, and as you struggle uh, in your faith and you grow, right? what's going to happen is God is going to train you to help others. He's going to use that difficulty. He's going to use that trial. He's going to use that suffering so that as you'll have a ministry, you'll have a ministry to other people that have gone through similar things or at least have maybe encountered a loss or who have gone through some kind of suffering so that you can minister to them. It says right there, it says, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So there's something supernatural happens as we lean into that suffering and trials and those trials that as we rely on God, as, we, as we're filled with His Spirit, He's equipping us, actually, for future ministry. All right? So it can be helpful you to think that, okay, 
that there's a reason for this. God's not going to waste this, this thing that's going on in my life. He's going he's to use it somehow. I'll be able to minister to somebody. Or the spiritual growth or the, the, um, the, my knowledge of God that I've gained through this time, I'm going to be able to help somebody else with that. I like this because this reminds us that, you know, the Christian life is not about us. <laughs> it's about God, and he wants to reach people, and he wants us to minister to people. And, yeah, we need to care for ourselves, for sure. Uh, you can go overboard uh, and not have anything left to give other people, okay? But, but just think about that. Do you think about how yourself as, as a conduit to spiritually help other people I want to challenge you. If, you. if you've not really thought that way, if it's just been kind of you and your walk with God, and yeah, you come to church, and maybe you're in a small group, and you serve in ministry, but you're really not seeking to think about how God wants to use you day to day. Just I'm not talking about like just on a Sunday morning. I'm just thinking as you live your life, as you live your life, God will bring people into your path specifically so that the comfort that which you are comforted by God in your trials, you would be able to comfort them. That's a supernatural thing. That's like, like a divine appointment, right? And you want to be ready for those. You want to be open to those, right? To be used by God. And you can't, you can't experience that. You can't be faithful with what God has given you in that regard if you're just all about you. And all you ever do is drive home, and you drive into the drive into your garage. You put the door down. You go in. You watch your TV, and you go back to bed. And you go to work, and you're never thinking about other people and how God wants to use you. I've said it before. I'll say it again now. You know, if God just wanted us to be saved and that was it, we'd be you know, beam me up. We're done. But we're here for a reason, right? That our, God, that our lives would give God glory. And one of the ways that happens is that we, by God's grace, die to ourselves and give our lives away. Metaphorically speaking. Now, some people literally might give their lives for the faith. But I'm, I'm speaking metaphorically here, right? We need to die to ourselves and allow our minds to think beyond ourselves, to be to other people that God has placed around us. And to prayerfully be with them. Prayerfully be with them. Not every encounter with someone that doesn't know Christ has to be a full-on gospel presentation. I'm not saying that you shouldn't get there at some point, but just, you know, see, you know, Shoot up those Nehemiah prayers when you're with people. Those prayers like, you know, with Nehemiah when he was in the presence of the king. He's praying, but you know he's not praying aloud, at least from what we can tell from the text, right? Um, Because there's this immediate thing going on. So have you ever done that when you're with somebody? You're like, God, is there something here you want me to do? Is there something? What would be the right thing to say here? What do they need to hear right now? Or what do they need done? And to really see yourself like a conduit. And that's what Paul's saying. It's like, you want to see yourself as a conduit that the love of God can pass through and touch people and comfort them. In in this particular context, it's comfort. 
ministry. That's ministry to other people. The verse goes on, verse 5 says, For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings. By the way, let me just, sorry, I had to say one other thing. What I was just talking about, it's going to take sacrifice. If you want to give your lives for other people, because you know that people, you know, people is what's going to last for eternity here. If you want to, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you time. You're going to have to sacrifice your time. You're going to have to maybe give up some things so that you can do ministry for God. So that you can pour your life into another person. It's going to take time. So you may have to look at your schedule and just totally throw it out the window. Now, maybe you won't. But I'm just saying, are you willing? Are you willing? Because this is what God calls us to. All right? I'm saying within the context of our suffering and our trials, God is training us up for ministry. And if you don't avail yourself and make yourself available to God through your calendar and die to yourself, even die to your calendar, right, so that you can do what God calls us to do, then you need to have it out with God because that's what He wants of your life. Okay? It's going to cost you. But again, the glory that's to come from it, the people that will be saved from it, who will be comforted by your comfort that you give, far outweighs what would be given up. Right? On to the verse. It says, for we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort. Now, do you see Paul's mentality? The, he's the one and his ministry team that are going, it's going through the suffering. Right? He says, uh, he says, if we are afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. I love, I mean, 2 Corinthians chapters you know, 1 through 4, 5, I just, I love these chapters because Paul is just saying, listen, everything I'm going through is for you. That's, that's his whole mentality, everything. He's like, the sufferings I go through, it's for you. And it even mentions here, he says, right, if we are afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. Verse 7, he says, our hope, is, our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. I mean, these guys are in the trenches of ministry, right? And he's saying, listen, we despaired of our lives because we were uh, trying to get the gospel out and love people and proclaim Christ. Listen to what he says now. He says, indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but, now here's the thing. He says, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Now put that in the context of your suffering, in in your trials, right? He's saying, listen, this is happening to make us not rely on ourselves, but God. So one of the purposes of suffering in our trials, right, is so that we might rely on God. That we might not just be like, oh, I got it from here, God. Thanks for saving me. No, because if we live the life that God's calling us to, it's going to have to be stepping out and relying on God. 
It's going to have to be. Otherwise, we're just living some, you know, white picket fence dream of the Christian life that's not biblical. I'm sorry if you've got a white picket fence. It's okay. Just metaphorically speaking, okay? But just that kind of like, just um, complacency. We all fight it. We all fight it. I'm honest to you. I mean, you know, there are some days I just want to sit up in our little Jesus nook, I call it, up uh, our little loft area, and just, you know, let the world go away. You know, I, I definitely, definitely battle that. And I'm an extrovert, you know. Uh, but, but the thing is that I know that it, before I ever became a pastor, I caught that vision what the Scripture calls us to give our life away. So even take the pastor title out of the way. It wouldn't matter. God calls us to this kind of life to rely on Him. And when we step out in faith and do things that, that we've never done before or that we're afraid to do, um, you know, I, I know my, my dream, right now I'll just tell you my dream. I mean, not a real dream. I, I want, I'd be okay with those too. But is right now is that we would be pressed into thinking about, think, and ask this of yourself, am I the friend of sinners? Are you the friend of sinners? Jesus was the friend of sinners. Right? Or, or am I just surrounding myself with nice, comfy Christians? Are very comfortable around, or am I? You know, I know I'm kind. Of, it sounds like I'm giving a great commission message, and I suppose I sort of am, because the, because suffering is missional. That's it. Suffering is missional, right? And if you know, we're not going to be firm in our faith when we encounter suffering and great trials if we don't see that there's a purpose behind this. And part of it is missional. That's what he's getting at here in this uh, 2 Corinthians uh, passage, right, in chapter 1. And part of it is to remind us that this is not our home. And part of us gets, we see we not rely on ourselves. One of the things that God's been challenging me with is, is just, Greg, what I'm calling you to do, I will give you the faith to do and the power to do. And, and, and we need to see that God will supply, you know. He'll supply the power and the faith that you need to do whatever the situation you're presented with, okay? All right, I'm out of time here. But I just want to say, you know, this, you know, we have an adversary. He is relentless, and we must be too. We have to be firm in our faith, right? And, and some of the ways to do that is to remind ourselves that this is not our home, right? That what we're encountering right now is going to, what it's producing for us in eternity is far outweighs what we're encountering right now, right? And that second thing, don't forget, the, one of the purposes of trials and suffering is to grow us up. God doesn't want you to come on heaven's, heaven's doorstep still with your thumb stuck in your mouth and a baby bottle spiritually speaking. He wants you to grow up, and that's going to take um, a lot of effort on your part and a lot of relying on God, both. 
And then that, that third thing, right? That suffering makes us ready for how God wants to use us in ministry. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we thank you for the book of Job. Thank you for Job's steadfastness. And we will see in his dialogue to come that, yes, he wrestles with you and he, he expresses his difficulty and how hard this suffering is. And so he, it's not like he's not human. But, Lord, we just thank you for his example. And thank you how you give us passages in Scripture that, that even fill in some of the purposes for suffering and our trials. God, help us, to, help us to not rely on ourselves as we go through these things, but help us to rely on you. And I love this because in that passage it says, rely on God who can raise the dead. In other words, even if I die in what I'm suffering right now, God raises the dead. And we know Christ the Savior will be raised to eternal life with God. And what could be better than that? Lord, help us to help us to grow in our faith. Help us to stand firm. Help us to uh, to continue to grow and 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 live our lives on the solid foundation of Your Word. And God, help us to, as we walk out these doors today and as we go through our week, Father, help us to see opportunities to minister to people. And, and possibly even just comfort them with the comfort maybe we have received from you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.